0: Well, good morning. good morning. Good to see you. My name is Joshua Kirstein. I'm privileged to get to be the preaching pastor here at Disciples Church and uh, joyful to have you with us here today to uh, worship our good God together to uh, study his holy word and be mobilized into a, a new day. And if the Lord wills, another week of ministry for his name's sake and uh, We're excited for all that God's doing here. If you're new or visiting with us, we're really happy to have you. Uh, Grab your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 5. I want to open while you turn there with a, a single verse reading from Psalm 136, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Today I want to preach on thankfulness. We will uh, pick up in the beginning of chapter 5 in our sermon series through the letter of James, which we're enjoying very much, uh, after Advent. So next week we have our all-church celebration, one of my favorite services of the year. You don't want to miss that. And then uh, the first weekend of December and throughout December we will focus on Advent, the incarnation of Christ our Lord, uh, and a wonderful time. It will be great time to be bringing family and friends during the holidays to worship with us and discover what God's doing here at Disciples Church. And then after uh, Christmas, we'll pick back up in James and continue forth in our sermon series in James. But was excited to pause today in, in a moment of transition between chapter 4 and chapter 5 of James to 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 look at what the word has to say about thankfulness. Um, When it comes to gratitude, where is our gratitude? Where is our our genuine thankfulness? Um, As the holiday approaches, our annual celebration called Thanksgiving, we have much to be thankful for. Amen? Um, But thankfulness should not be Something we just do once a year. I don't even think the meal should be done just once a year. I mean, it's so good we should do it at least four times a year. Okay? I'll take some of that laughter as another amen. (laughs) The scriptures are quick and often to say that thankfulness is a normal reality for the life of a person who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and restored to an eternal relationship with God. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. In the middle of Paul's letter to church in Thessalonica, we, we hear this, and it's just so good. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul's teaching those who are in Christ Jesus, been saved by him, set free from sin, to live for the will of God. That the will of God for us is that we give thanks in all circumstances. What is the will of God for those in Christ Jesus? That we are a thankful people. That we are so thankful we give thanks in every circumstance that we find ourselves in. Sounds like a tall order. I want that to wash over you for a moment this morning. Really do business with that. To give thanks in every circumstance. It's a tall order because in our flesh we are a temperamental people, are we not? When our flesh is at the helm and not Christ, our attitude is often just that, full of attitude. Frustration, anger, bitterness for all the things that go wrong, for all the things that don't live up to our expectations, the things that don't go the way we planned for them to go. We're often grumpy for all the ways that people bother us, don't live up to our expectations. The will of the Lord, church, is that our attitude would be one of thanks instead of these fleshly responses that we are so prone to. The question is how? How can we have an authentic response and not just a religious override or a mask that we put on, but an authentic response of thankfulness in every circumstance? The answer to how is the gospel. How can we truly and authentically be thankful in every circumstance? Saving grace. Life with God. To be born again and live in the power of Christ. And in the good graces of the holy God. Think about the status of your life when you've been saved from your bondage to sin and set free to reign with him forever is how we are thankful in every circumstance. It's a life that we do not earn. It's a life that we do not deserve. In any way, a grace that has set us free from a prison of shame and doom like no other. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 17, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient to the heart, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the holy God who took on flesh, lived without sin, and then became the perfect Sacrifice in the place of his people, not just for our past error and sin, but present and future, that we could be restored, reconciled to the holy God now and forever and sent out on mission in this short life to be a bright light of his gospel and the testimony of this good news to those who are still dead and dying. And sin and darkness. We were slaves of sin and death, but we have been set free to serve Jesus, to obey his commands, and to get to live for his glory. Paul says, thanks be to God. Paul speaks of this glorious transition in Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. Tour it with me as if you're reading his letter to the church in Ephesus Speaking to Christians, blood-bought, redeemed Christians, he says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, rightly deserving God's righteous wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. How are we thankful in every circumstance? Because you in Christ will be shown the immeasurable riches. Immeasurable. Because you are together in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For you are his, for we, speaking of the church, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Church, constant thankfulness is the proper response to the gospel of Jesus Christ at work in your life. Hear the heart of Paul again as he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 15. I thank him who has given me strength. Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. The grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. The leader of the church after the ascension of Christ, Paul, great example of faith, and life, says, I was the foremost sinner. I was the foremost wretched one. If you're here today and discovering this news of God's work of grace, maybe hearing it like you've never heard it before, my prayer is that you could come authentically and truly in a mode of confession and repentance. I love it when brothers and sisters are able to put down their mask say, this is who I am without Christ. And to be willing to confess sin and wretchedness and be willing to see one's desperation for Christ and the cross and new life. You look around the room filled with people who have joyfully said such things. That you're not alone. That you who think you're the most wretched in the room would probably be surprised that you're not. That God has done a marvelous work in these people. The people of this community, in the South Valley of California, and even in how the gospel is going out through Disciples Church to the ends of the earth. And we get to be part of that. We get to be part of that story. So we don't need mask. What we need is more Authenticity. An ability to say, I messed up. I failed in my own flesh. I'm desperate for Jesus. I want to know him and grow in him. I want to serve him. What a joy. Paul gets it. He gets that The motivation for constant gratitude is God's work in his life. His attitude of gratitude, as I like to call it, is because he knew he was a slave in sin and set free. Doomed, no hope on our own, but the, God, the great God in his mercy set us free, give us new life in Christ for those who would repent and believe in him. Paul gets how far away from God's holy standard he was. Therefore, he is so thankful for who he now is in God. See, for many of you who claim to know Jesus, but you are very devoid of real gratitude, I would say it's because you're really missing the beauty and the fullness of the gospel. You've somehow received this ticket of salvation, but then you've turned left and right to put your hope and your joy in your circumstances, in the horizontal. And you're missing who you are in Christ you're letting your circumstances define you. It sets you back and slow you down. We were a people who were full-fledged enemies of God in our sin. A people who have nothing to boast in, but everything to be thankful for, if we have Christ as Lord. This is why we are thankful in all circumstances. Notice Paul is not saying thankful for all circumstances. We're not thankful for evil or injustice. But there is a testimony of the gospel when we truly are thankful in all circumstances. In other words, there's an attitude of gratitude that the redeemed people of God are Known for. Consider this with me. It's not a fake or superficial thing. No, it is fueled by the gospel. And it changes everything about our lives. I mean, think about what the gospel of Jesus changes in your life. And yet how many people hang their hat on salvation as if it were a moment like others. And it doesn't change them in and out. No, for far too many, it just becomes another thing. Instead of becoming everything, changing everything, motivating and mobilizing a person to a bold and beautiful testimony of Jesus Christ in both word and deed. When we understand the gospel, when we rightly understand what we have been given, it changes our entire disposition. No matter what we face or are going through. Church, we have got to do some serious business with this this morning. Because I fear that far too many of you, your faith is compartmentalized. And you've let it be there too long. And therefore it misses the opportunity to shine bright every day. In every circumstance. So just for you personally, just take some inventory for a moment. Is this you? Are you known for a thankful disposition? Are you known for being a negative person? Or a person who's always grumpy or finding something to complain about? Are you constantly bitter at how life is coming at you? Do you realize that there is a gospel work and motivation that can cause the most chastised, the most abused, the most cheated people in the world to truly be reborn with a demeanor of authentic thankfulness? When other people run into you, when they run into the people of Disciples Church, what do they think of? What do they experience when they interact with us? Do they sense a joyful contentment and thankfulness no matter what we're going through? Or do they experience people who are often no different than anybody else? People who are constantly tossed about by every frustrating event or interaction of the day. What I want you to really do business with this morning is not just a superficial thankfulness. If that's what you take from here, you just got to pull up your bootstraps and just just, just plow and push it out. No. But a thankfulness that is a true overflow of who you are in Christ. That you are a redeemed child of the living God. And what I love about some of you is that you're beginning to get this in a way you never have, and it's changing you. It's changing the way your marriage is going, it's changing the way you're parenting, it's changing the way you're handling your finances and your job. One of our members here at Disciples Church blessed me with something she said to me a couple years ago. She doesn't know I'm going to mention her by name right now. So, Jordan Rennick, wife of Mike Rennick, mother of Riley, Bryson, Winslet, sister of Christ and Christ to us all, said this. Thankful has often been an overused word for me. I used it nearly for every expression of gratitude for things. But I felt as though I never really stopped to think about what this word really means. This past season, I'm truly beginning to understand the meaning of the word. Thankful, meaning pleased and relieved. I'm, I'm in awe of what God has done in my life, and not only in my life, but in those around me, And I'm starting to see how that overflows into the circumstances that he's placed me in. I love how Jordan acknowledges the routine practice of being thankful, but then how she efforts to dig deeper into what it really means and how when rightly understood as an overflow of our gospel position in Christ, how then it really begins to play out in one's life. Even in the hard times. Church, thankfulness is not a haphazard practice along the road. It is a core reality that we who are saved by the blood of the Lamb walk in a restored relationship with the holy and everlasting God. We will be his people forever. So no matter then what we face in the temporary, no matter how bad it gets, our acknowledgement of the sovereign hand of God, who is continuing and working in all things, the gospel that sets us free is always a true reason to be thankful. Paul learned to understand what it was to experience a life of gratitude despite what he had or not. And he says this to the church in Philippi, chapter 4, 11, and 12. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. You could put there to be thankful. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. There's a gospel reality for Paul that begins to play. And oh, how I want for us who know Christ to have that in such a core place of our soul. That Paul's reality becomes our reality too. Let's consider another reason for why we are thankful in any circumstance. When we know Jesus is Lord, one of the great foundations for ongoing thankfulness in our perspective is the difference between what we deserve versus what we have received. See, if your view of life is that you deserve good things to come your way, then it's easy to become bitter and angry when life doesn't go your way. Let me ask you to consider your life for a moment. What happens when you lose things that you've come to expect? What happens when there's a power outage and you can't watch TV or work the hairdryer? Mine's been broken a long time. (laughs) What happens when you get sick and you can't do the things you plan to do? What we must see is the, the bigger picture when our circumstances are hard or incredibly hard. We must realize the things we have and get to do is a privilege, not a right. And if we really do business with what we deserve, might not like what that is on that list. But the things that we do have are blessings from God. Who must see that life itself is a gift from God. The fact that you're sitting here, that, that, that oxygen is moving through your blood and, and your brain is working and you're sitting upright without falling over. Like, there's so many ways that God is at work and blessing you right now. But that basic ability just to live and do life is just the tip of the iceberg. Why? Because even the unregenerate, even those who deny Christ are blessed with that in just common grace of God. But in Christ, we have so much more. It is far more than we deserve or could even imagine. The scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 2.9 that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. It is so good you can't dream it up. Have you ever heard someone answer the question when asked, how are you doing, then say, better than I deserve." Or, or to say, I'm blessed. That answer can be surprising many times, especially when you know that person. You know that what they're experiencing or really going through is really hard. It's actually quite, quite of a nightmare. And yet they say, I'm doing better than I deserve or that I'm blessed. See, this person is aware of the grace that they've been given in Jesus Christ. They've been given far more than they deserve or could even fathom or dream in what God has done in his grace to set us free. And they're thankful for the fact that they have been given more than they deserve, that they've been blessed by God. See, that answer from a part of a true Christian is not just based on circumstances. It's not just a view of the, of the left and the right, the horizontal, it's a view that has the vertical in view all the time. No matter what's been stripped away, they're still abundantly blessed in Christ Jesus. And therefore, they're thankful. Ephesians 1:3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Church, we are blessed, we are loved, we are provided for, we are secure in Christ. We are possessors of every spiritual blessing. That's not like a map to a treasure hunt or a game. You're going to go level up to get every spiritual blessing. No, in Christ, we who are blood bought are given every spiritual blessing. Think about that. And therefore, let us be thankful. Let us join with Paul who learned contentment and joy despite his circumstances. Paul who was falsely imprisoned, not once but many times, beaten, starved. You say that you've gone through injustices in your life. You've had things taken away or been cheated in great ways. Paul's been through it and then some. How? Because of Christ and his life. Because he's adopted and no longer an orphan. And we are too. Listen to his words to the church in Colossae. See this theme of Paul in all these letters he writes. Chapter three, fifteen through seventeen, let the peace of Christ rule rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I wonder if he wants us to be thankful Are you thankful to God despite your circumstances? Is your heart one of gratitude not because of what you have or don't have, how you look, how you're doing, but because of who you are in Christ? The problem is we're really susceptible to letting our flesh Become very pessimistic about life. A really random example I read back in the day, I maybe have shared it with you before, is worth sharing again, to model how we how we do this, the games we play. A few days before Christmas, a postal worker at the main office found an unstamped handwritten messy envelope addressed to God. Curious, he opened it, discovered that it was from an elderly woman who was in great distress because of her savings. $200 had been stolen. As a result, she wouldn't have anything to eat for Christmas. The man went to his fellow postal workers and took up a collection for the woman and they dug deep and came up with $180. Putting the money in the plain envelope with no note or anything, the postal workers sent it by special carrier to the woman. A week later, the same postal worker noticed another unstamped letter that had been addressed to God with the same handwriting. As you can imagine, was excited to open it. And in it found a brief note. Dear God, thank you for the $180 that you sent me for Christmas, which would have been so bleak otherwise. P.S. It was $20 short. But that was probably those thieving workers at the post office. (laughs) Are you critical of God's provisions in your life? Always comparing what you have to others. really missing the opportunity to slow down and just be thankful for what you do have what God is doing 1 Timothy 4:4 in everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving what is unique about bloodbought Christians though is that we're even thankful to suffer for the name of Jesus. That the name of Jesus is not just something we're passionate about in our singing on Sunday morning. But if you are truly a Christian, which means you have died to yourself and now live to Christ. He is now Lord of your life. That it is your joy in this life, your great joy, to do whatever, even suffer, for his namesake. Because you know your eternity. The immeasurable riches. The security you have secured not by anything you've done. But by the blood of Jesus. The son of God and flesh in your place. And so you're able to live this life open-handedly. Sacrificially. And with the right view that it is oh so Temporary. Let me remind you of a testimony we read of in Scripture that's so powerful to this end. Acts 5, 40-41. through 41. And when they had called in the disciples, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor For the name they're arrested and beaten for unjust reasons giving our flesh every reason to be embittered to cry out in injustice that every right in the flesh to be enraged to pack their bags and say forget it I'm done I'm done representing Jesus I'm done giving myself to this fight but no, they are beaten. And as they walk away, they rejoice because they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his namesake. The name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And in case you're thinking, "Well, that might have just been like the emotional high of the moment. Right? When they got home and those bruises began to really hurt, surely they would have wised up and pack their bags, and then men done. No, look at the next verse. Verse 42. <clears throat> Every day, in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. See, so there's two camps. People who claim the name of Jesus for the self-benefit of heaven and the avoidance of hell, but have no real skin in the game. No real conviction to preach Jesus as Lord because it costs too much. The one who claims Jesus because Jesus is the Lord of their life is different. To that person, Jesus is their very identity. They're everything. They don't stop because of suffering. Their only sole conviction is the privilege to lift up the name of Jesus. So he's worth everything. Personally, I want nothing to do with nominal Christianity. And sadly, many churches who are passionate about that and are bold enough to preach the authority of the word of God and stand for the things of God and practice the things of God typically remain very small because it's not popular. And yet look at what God is doing. In a variety of families and people and circumstances. That repentance is happening all the time. That just this week I sat with numerous people who were able to humble themselves and just confess sin and say, I want to, I want to serve my Lord. I want to honor him in the ways he's called me to, not according to my agenda. I want nothing to do with nominal Christianity. Nothing to do with being lukewarm. Easy to swallow, comfortable. Man, this is what so many modern churches are peddling, and it breaks my heart. Because you know what it does? It keeps people shallow. I want the blessing of suffering for his namesake. I want God to use us through hardship so that our testimony of trusting in him is bright. Jennifer and I got bad news this week. The little baby girl we've loved on for almost a year, who the case should be all done, wrapped up, adoption, ready to go. We can make this little girl ours. That there is an appeal in the process, which is going to equal a five-minute hearing by which likely what should happen is a quick return to the judgment that was made will likely last another 10 months. And in that time, who knows what changes? And so Jennifer and I go back to praying. Go back to releasing our expectations. Go back to reminding ourselves that she doesn't belong to us. And that our, our time with her could be short. But it's God's will. And then that rearing up with a flesh that wants to talk about fair, wants to talk about logical or right That through the tears we press each other back into Christ and say to each other God's at work maybe if nothing else God's at work in the fact that he would use our handling of the situation as a testimony of the gospel and joy and gratitude in Christ despite our circumstances maybe just that nothing else Consider a few spiritual disciplines that help us give thanks to the Lord in all things as we begin to wrap up. Number one, prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the verse I opened with, the, the words that precede it in verse 17 say, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Just the regular practice of going to God in prayer reminds us all that he is and all that we are in him. It reminds us who he is. It reminds us who we are in him. That's what prayer does. And so praying without ceasing is our way to walk by faith, remembering who we are in Christ, yielding whatever we're in the middle of to him, trusting it to him, being thankful for all that he is, all that he has done, and all that we know he will do. Paul speaks of the need for the combination of prayer and thanksgiving in his letter to the church in Philippi. In Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. Do not worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. When the circumstances in life get hard or come at you, and they will, don't be anxious. Do not worry and fret. Run to God in prayer. Trust that situation to him. Yield it to him. He says, share, be honest with your request. Let your supplication, your request be known. But do it with thanksgiving in your hearts for all that he is and all that he has done and all that he will do constantly cloaking prayer with that attitude of gratitude and that thankfulness for who he is. And do you know what Paul says that will equal in your life? If you pray instead of worry, be honest with him in your request and be thankful for what he's done. Look at the next verse, verse seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That means when the situation you're in makes no sense, there will be a peace that you'll experience which surpasses that understanding. And love that peace of God that makes no sense for the situation you're in. What a gift that is. Another important spiritual discipline we must have, in addition to prayer, is, our, is a testimony of gratitude. One of the important ways we remain thankful in all things is to, rem- is to remain mindful of all that God has done. Psalm chapter 9 verse 1, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. To recall all that God has done to cause our hearts to well up with praise and testimony for all that he is should be shared that our thankfulness for God would be constantly on our lips and in our testimony with our co-workers and our family and our friends. Psalm 107, 1 and two. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Church, this is not just for you today. It's not just to rekindle your heart with an overflow of gratitude and praise to your good God, it is for all those that God will put in your path that need to know Jesus, that your attitude of gratitude is a huge part of that testimony Is your testimony of the Lord in your life shown by a thankful disposition? If not, it should be. This is something you must do business with today. That your days would be a bright light to a dark world. Let me remind us of the testimony of Habakkuk. As he modeled this for us so well, in the beginning of Habakkuk's testimony... He's not in a good place. He cries out to God with complaints and bitterness for his situation. Habakkuk 1, 2 through 2-4, I'll remind you. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, justice never goes forth, for the wicked surround the righteous, so gut justice goes forth perverted. He's a little upset. Over the next chapters and verses, God does a very important thing. He reminds Habakkuk who God is and what he has done. Habakkuk 1.5 God says to Habakkuk, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would never believe if I told. God goes on to tell him that his sovereign plan is to bring some really wicked people, to bring some really severe havoc on Habakkuk and his people. Habakkuk just doesn't make sense. Things are going to get worse before they get better. But Habakkuk recalls the unfathomable things that God has done in the past and it causes his soul to well up with faith in God. So he stops resting on his circumstances and starts standing on the faithfulness and the sovereignty of the mighty God. Even though the storm rages on the surface and he's been reminded of the strength of the rock that he stands on to the point where he says in chapter 3, verse 17, now watch this, even though it's really bad, and it's going to get worse, he says one of the most potent words in the mouth of someone who has true faith in God, he says, yet, and I misquoted, Habakkuk 3.18, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Even while standing downstream of absolute physical ruin and abject famine, the prophet is prepared to trust God. He realized that inner peace and joy do not depend on outward prosperity, but only on the God of his salvation. Habakkuk did not state that he would merely endure the hour of distress. He said he would rejoice in the Lord and be joyful. There it is, an attitude of gratitude. God is the inexhaustible source and infinite supply of joy. The phrase, the God of my salvation, is also seen in the psalmist's words in Psalm 18 46. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock, the exalted be the God of my salvation. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation. So I ask you today are your feet grounded on the rock of Jesus Christ on the God of your salvation when the temporary is crumbling all around you when injustice, death, immorality are literally raining down on your life and the storm waters are raging do you remember who you are in Christ? Who the God of your salvation is? Are you able to say, in the midst of the reality of suffering you're in, yet. All the bad, all the misery, all the headache, yet, here is the God of my salvation, which brings my heart total joy and thankfulness. Church, this is why I do what I do, according to Scripture, for your joy. My job as your shepherd is to constantly reorient your heart to the Lord of your salvation, the Lord of joy, to preach the word in all its fullness so that your hearts stay full of truth. And wonder at the work of God. So that you too would would heed God's words to Habakkuk. When he says, look and see and wonder and be astounded. That your faith will be full and your joy complete. And your heart truly thankful. Amen? I'm thankful for you. Uh, I like it when my birthday falls on Sunday and I get to celebrate with you in singing to God and in the preaching of His Word. We did this seven years ago when I was 34. Today I'm 41. The next time we do it in seven years, I'll be 48. And my beard will be stellar. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Jennifer's at home with two sick babies. That's how I can get away with that today. Church, we truly have much to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. We want to close today's service at a time of communion as the body of Christ, the Lord's table. Around the room are four tables uh, with unleavened bread that some of our sisters in the Lord bake fresh every time we do this. Uh, wine and an option for juice, grape juice. This is a practice the Lord himself has instituted for us, the church, the redeemed to do until he comes again to take us home to the new heavens and the new earth to feast with him forever in holy heaven. Jesus said in Luke chapter twenty-two, fourteen through 20, And when the hour came, he reclined to the table, the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup So from the Passover table that night, he took these two elements, the unleavened bread and the wine, and he pushed them forward for us, the church, to use them to eat and to drink to symbolize what he has done on the cross, to symbolize a new covenant that was made in his body and blood on our behalf. The only way to restore relationship with God is Jesus. He said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot come to the Father but through me. For those of you who have yet to truly yield your life to Jesus as Lord, which means that you have been given eyes to see your sin like you've never seen it before, and it breaks you. And you confess to God that it is sin, that you deserve his righteous and eternal wrath because of it, but that you see Jesus as the Redeemer and you trust him. And you trust your life to him in such a way that you die to yourself to live to Christ. That Jesus is not just your Savior, but your Lord. And the rest of your days that God would ordain for you are for Him. Not for you, not for your kingdom. But to be stewarded in such a way that you live for Him. If you've yet to do that, truly repent and believe in Him, then this practice is not for you. To do, it is for you to witness. See, that's what this is for. It's supposed to be a testimony to a watching world. That in these symbols, you would see the gospel you would see people who have done nothing to deserve the grace of God, who have blasphemed Him and lied and cheated and taken in all the different ways that you have, and yet by God's grace have been forgiven and saved. That you see the beauty of the gospel in this moment, in this testimony, and that if it be the Lord's will that you too would repent and believe and be saved today, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, if the Lord gives you tomorrow. Our deep prayers for the salvation of his people, and our and our trust is in that God will save every one of his. So we walk by faith. And if and when you do repent and believe, then you should dine with us from that day forward uh, until he comes. And then forevermore in his kingdom. Amen. For those of you who have trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, then this is for you. This isn't for you to avoid if you've been struggling with sin lately, if your selfishness has been reigning. If that's you, then I would encourage you just to slow down this morning before you jump up to the table, but go to God in prayer. And tell Him thank you. And remember who you are in Christ. Remember that it's not your performance that has brought about salvation in your life. Remember your desperation for Jesus alone. And that if nothing else, this time at the table would reorient you to who you are in Christ, that you would truly repent of those things and take up a new course in light of the gospel. So as the song is sung, we can sing, we can pray, you can get up and go to the table and eat and drink as you're ready. There's a little metal cup holder behind the seats for you to put your cups when you're done. Let's finish our morning in an attitude of gratitude, especially for what Jesus has done. And uh, prepare for the week ahead. If the Lord wills. Amen. Pray with me. Father, we give thanks to you for you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever. Your love has been made manifest in the life of Jesus. The Incarnation, we're about to celebrate here in December the birth of Jesus and all that that means for us. Well, I, I thank you for this opportunity today and um, the coming time of Thanksgiving that our, we do some real business with this area. That, that Thanksgiving would not be a pagan holiday as it is for so many outside of Christ who are thankful only for the temporary because it's all they have. But that it would be a marker of our lives every day to testify of what you have done to worship you. Make much of your holy name. We thank you for the cross. We thank you, Father. Hear us now. In Jesus' name we pray.